while I'm making moves. Well, I've been coming closer to the end of these old dead empty streets. As you take your stand, well, maybe understand it when you walk down these old dead The following podcast may contain strong language and is not suitable for all Canadians. Eh? Oh, eh? <laughs> What's that, buddy? Sorry that is, about that. That is stereotypical. Your oot. Stereotypical. Uh, <laughs> welcome back Sorry. to the Better Left Podcast, everybody. Welcome I, back, you. Welcome back to me. <laughs> My name is Sarah Smith, and I am one of the hosts of tonight's podcast. I'm joined by Troy. Howdy. Adam. Sorry. Jay. Hi. And our two temporary studio dogs, Pearl and Helen, who I'm watching for a friend of mine. And they've joined us today. Oh, they're so yeah. cute. And uh, I... Oh, yeah. I just came back from a little bit of a hiatus. I think it's three episode hiatus. I think so. Was it three episodes? Yes, three episodes. I had a three episode hiatus. It did feel way longer. One of those Saturdays, I was on vacation. Uh, I wasn't even in the country. And one of those Saturdays, I I had a work thing, I think. And then the third Saturday, I think I just like. You just kind of called in. I was sick, I think. Sick, yeah. Yeah, it did not feel good. Do you call in or call out? Both quick quiz, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, it's both, and now I'm still so I might be a little quieter on this podcast. I'm still getting over a, a new cold from traveling. Um, I have a little bit of a sore throat and a tiny cough, so just bear with me. Uh, and then we said goodbye to Billiam to Bill, our very loud, very southern rolled young man. <laughs> and so, uh, we were promptly replaced him with Adam because, uh, yeah, we need culture up in here. Uh, I don't have a I don't have a southern drawl, but I can put on a nice Boston accent if you want. That's fine. Just off and on, like I randomly. Don't, don't explain or give us any warning. Just possibly. <laughs> can you That's do Cockney and <laughs> aggressive Cockney? If copyright laws permitted it, I would play Enyo right now. I said, "Well, we all could enjoy it." So, just you want us to sing it? You can say you can swing it, you can say it, and yeah. you swim it, and you sit something. <laughs> sail away. That's sail it. Away, That's the song. Sail come sail away. Come <laughs> sail away. <laughs> also. That's song that's also Enya. yeah yeah we got this yeah we did it well i mean that's over <laughs> so goodbye to bill we will miss him very dearly well both he's in gone Seattle. physically but emotionally gone he, but not forgotten he lots of prayers thoughts and prayers to bill he'll be back yeah he'll be back. we'll have him on the show yeah uh so bill left seattle um gone on to greener pastures to do more political stuff in the deep south and uh yeah we'll probably replaced him and now i'm back so the show can get back on track we are missing uh corn today um corn had a massive tree fall into her backyard after yeah. Seattle's crazy lightning storm beautiful it was amazing over 200 lightning strikes in the city of seattle in under like 30 minutes or something i heard it was over a thousand over the course of three hours or something like that i do remember that i was uh lying on my couch i think i was watching the big short on saturday night which was i guess now that i think about it rather fitting <laughs> uh, and i heard i heard a fire um a fire engine drive by and then my power went out. <laughs> we had a flicker, but man, it was gorgeous. It was so, the air was just, you could smell the lightning. The I mean, tempest. it was, yeah, it was yeah. really amazing. Um, I love that. Got some great pictures as well. You Aww. really got to see some lightning strikes. Which is perfect because isn't there a brand new women's football team, the XFL team, Seattle Dragons, and there's another one called the Seattle Storm. So we can finally actually match that name. We did it, y'all. Seattle Dragon Storm. What are are the Seattle Dragons? Uh, I don't know. 
they're the I XFL. I'm not from Vin, here. <laughs> yeah, Vince McMahon decided to start another football league. Oh, it's football. Yeah, football. <laughs> football. Is it wait? Is it football or football? I think it's football. It's because no, it's football. It's football. Okay, it's football. It's football. Football. Yeah. And the Seattle Storm are the, I, I take it all back. It's not the women's lingerie. That's another one. The, the Seattle women's lingerie. Women, women's, I didn't even hear you say that. Yeah, no. They're lingerie football team. Yeah. If you go down to Kent, there's a lingerie football team that uh. plays in the same stadium as the hockey team. Mm, the Kent, my city or the Seattle Thunderbirds. And they're the Dragons? Uh, no, that's the XFL team. But frankly, I don't know the difference. Uh, <laughs> but here's, here's the thing the Seattle Storm were the women's NBA team. So. The, okay. A really good oh, team, actually. Really good team. Yeah, really, really good team. Yeah. So, I mean, let's. Uh, that seems like a good note to because I don't care about sports. Um, <laughs> a very good natural transition to our uh, today's what the shit. What the what? shit? The Red Sox being knocked out of AL East contention. Yeah. What the shit? Nothing about like I'm like go sports team do a sports at each other. What the shit? <laughs> That's how I feel. Troy, what do they call this? What the shit? shit. Thank you. Hey. <laughs> so I will I kick us that? off because uh, I don't know. I want to and it's my first time back and y'all just got to do whatever I say because it's my it. first You're time back. Boss. I'm sick. Do whatever I say. Um, <laughs> so there was a couple uh, that allegedly in Pennsylvania that allegedly spent over $100,000 of an accidental bank deposit in their account. Uh, they found $120,000 in their bank due to a bank error, and then they went on a shopping spree and have been charged with a felony. Um, they spotted the money that was put into their account, and they knew it wasn't theirs. They knew it was a, a mistransfer. They admitted to all of this, and then they went on a spending spree. They bought ATVs. They bought um, uh, they did car repairs, paid some bills, uh, bought a race car and a camper <laughs> van and a car trailer, several vehicles. They should have just packed it up and went out of town but are you saying that all these years monopoly like bank error in your favor i thought if they it's yours then if they just deposited you just run with it that's not nope fun fact it is it is a felony if you knowingly spend money that's not yours thanks parker brothers this does remind me of the scene from arrested development where (laughs) tobias funke and uh portia de rossi's character whose name i can never remember correct me somebody right now Shit, I don't remember. I don't remember. Somebody yeah. else does. What? Uh, Thank Lindsay. you. Lindsay. Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah. It's Lindsay. So we're Tobias and Lindsay. They go and they buy a house and they get like a bowling alley yes. and they get all these other things because I love that they started with debt, but they were like, you know what? Fuck it. We need that race car. You know, just in case. <laughs> yes, exactly. Just in case. Just in case. Just in case. More, more ATVs. Just in case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they uh, were charged with a felony. And uh, have to pay. Were the they back. charged? Yeah. Okay. Well, dummies. Well, I mean, uh, first off, they were charged. They probably charged stuff as well Ay- on their cards. Um, but I think actually the kind of interesting thing from my perspective is we talk about how uh, people hoard money. Like the more money they have, the more money they squirrel away. But these folks managed to get $120,000 and they promptly put it back into the American economy. So really, they are kind of job creators. Yeah, aren't they technically? Yeah, trickle up economy. They uh, So part of the problem is as soon as the bank noticed the error, um, as soon as they made the error, they called the people and told them, don't spend the money. You'll be responsible for paying it back. Um, We're going to go ahead and correct the transfer. And they were like, 
quick, spend all of it now. Oh, after the oh, bank. God. Yeah, after the bank told them. And then they were like, we're shocked we have to pay this back, despite being told that we had to pay it back on a recorded line and saying we understood. <laughs> Dummies. They admitted all of it. That's so that rough. Is, uh, that was one that I read, and I was like, what is wrong with people? <laughs> Shocking. Yes. And then uh, I think Jay had a, you had a what the shit. What's your shit? Well, this is kind of interesting because I'm just going to start by saying I want to believe. The former head of the Pentagon secret UFO program has said UFOs are real. <gasps> kind so, of. Yes. Kind of. Hold yeah. On. Yeah. Elaborate. Kind of. Kind of. So uh, they've, what they've effectively said is that UFOs are a real phenomenon, but I don't think anybody's in disagreement with that, uh, except for the part of me that really wants it to be aliens because Giorgio Tsoukalos' hair needs a hero. Listen, Buzz Aldrin needs to be vindicated. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly... Oh, right, did he say he saw some kind of moon baby or something? Yeah, I saw a moon baby floating on by the shuttle. Moon baby, he's like, look at that fancy tall baby. (laughs) Fancy tall space baby. Yeah, so... This guy, the, who's an intelligence officer for the Pentagon, um, and part of their Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, which sounds super fucking sci-fi. <laughs> it really does, yeah. War, warrior. Couple that with uh, space, space Force. Of course, what it is known as is, is ATIP. Oh, no. So just ATIP? <laughs> the Pentagon has given us the ATIP. Why didn't they walk that one through the playground? Did they not have anyone under the age of 50 on their staff? Right. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was on purpose. It takes one like 25-year-old to go <laughs> in a meeting. That's it. <laughs> so what makes it so interesting, though, is that Elizondo left the Pentagon because, as he described it, a lackluster official response to the agency's findings. <clears throat> Namely, their unwillingness to address potential risks from UFOs. And I'm getting all this from Live Science, which is a great website. I really like it. They do a nice job. I thought it was Live Science. Am I wrong? I have no fucking clue. I'm staring oh, at it your is, phone. You know, it's so funny. Science. I do that all the time where you see the word and you you only have read it. It's not, especially in the age of the internet where you look at something and you're like, oh, yeah, no, I'm pronouncing this totally different. So, yeah. Live uh, science, live science. It could me. go either way. Yeah. Who tell knows? Me. Tell uh, us more. Anyway, so what he did was he went and fo- founded a group that is supposed to do it. And wouldn't you know it, he is premiering on the Hitler channel slash history channel a show called unidentified inside america's ufo investigation he kind of set his own career up there didn't he yeah i love the first off that the history channel enables these people because again Giorgio Tsoukalos, my god america's great skip. aliens yeah that's the one yeah <laughs> but he's not saying it's aliens but it was definitely but aliens. aliens right yeah <laughs> but maybe that guy's glorious hair uh and they gave him this another guy a chance to do it so uh maybe we'll find out once and for all that aliens are in fact real at least ufos might be can i can i share something else yeah so so when this uh this piece first came up uh jay had sent us all an article from the huffington post Huffpo. yeah uh, where the former manager of the DOD had said UFOs are real. This article um, was from October 11th, 2017. It also said that at that point, it marked the official launch of To The Stars Academy of Arts and Science, an innovative public benefit corporation which will advance research into unexplained phenomena and develop related technology. Company president of To The Stars Academy of Arts and Science is the one and only Tom DeLonge, former lead singer for Blink-182. Hey! 
hey, this definitely sounds like it's going to advance our space poking. Wait, wait, wait. So this is finally him meeting his promise of angels and airwaves. (gasps) Uh, There's no angels aren't real, Jay. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. (laughs) He's hunting for all the small things. Oh, he is. I don't know the rest of the lyrics. Nobody. Oh my god. Uh, small things Can I have like a tiny something. a mini what the shit? Yeah. Okay, so we need to talk about the fact that Green Day Fallout Boy and Weezer are having a reunion tour. They're, and they all look like exactly the middle-aged dads that they are. Oh yeah. And they're coming to Seattle on my 30th birthday. Oh, you have to go. You oh, have I'm to go. Yeah. I want to go and I want to just people watch and be like, who else is here trying to reclaim their youth? <laughs> if you don't raise my hand. <laughs> If you don't schedule your mom and dad to pick you up from that concert afterwards, <laughs> you've done something. Yeah, yeah. You got to take it all away. I will be so mad at you. Hey, I have a little tiny, tiny, mini, mini, what the shit. The Seattle Lingerie Football League. Our team is the Seattle Mist. Uh, oh, that sounds so creepy. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Sort of the knockoff seven up of uh, football. So would the would the male lingerie football team be the Seattle Mister? Ooh. That's funny. I think it's the boulangerie. <laughs> I want to make a comment about how these women aren't real athletes, but they're more athletic than I am. Absolutely. But oh, there's I, definitely a joke there. I want to say, hey, be. the ladies of the Seattle Mist, um, they're fit. Mm-hmm. Um, they look like they, they would could. beat me up. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure. Go support local store sports. Go support your local sports ball. But also at the missed. same time, City of Seattle, stop giving city money to build new freaking private stadiums. What is wrong with you? Anyway, sorry, it's a later date. Never That's mind. That's a big what the shit. That's a big what the shit that we'll talk about later. Uh but you guys, I think that about makes it time for Oh, Pearl is so fascinated. She got up to stare at us. She's like, what are you doing? She's like, I would like to be included. <laughs> so, I uh, want to be a big <laughs> We've got to get a picture of her I to put know. up with this. She's so cute. Uh, so we are going to be talking about our big news breakdown with Mr. Michael Bolton, not the singer, uh, Is uh, was fired by Herr Trump. Yeah, he's mad. Yeah, real mad. He's big mad. Big mad. Big mad. I just want to clarify. It's John. Oh, I'm sorry. I John it was Michael. Bolton. <laughs> I've been living my whole life thinking it was Michael I was, Bolton. <laughs> I was gonna uh, bring that. Yeah, Jonathan Bolton, um, who is nope. uh, Michael Bolton's father. He's Michael now. <laughs> he's Michael now. Yeah, but that's what we do here. You, we don't names. You mean that? Names. You mean that no talent ass clown, Michael Bolton? <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bolton's a prince. Uh, so we've got all the st- so many Stevens. Oh, what's his name? Some, old Daniel. Some old Daniels. And now we got Michael Bolton getting fired from yeah. his cabinet. Yeah. How dare he? <laughs> How very dare he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So poor Jonathan Bolton's uh, mustache fired. So he didn't get fired. fired, though. He was he resigned. Yeah. Oh, well, he was yeah, asked I mean, to you know, exactly. Well, that's that's the point of contention, right? That's what's going on here. So John Bolton's account is that. Then he goes to Donald Trump's office, Air Führer Trump, and he says, hey, Mr. Trump slash Hitler, would you like to me to resign? And Trump says, you think about it. And he says, I think I might want to. And then the next morning, this is exactly how it occurred, by the way. And then the next morning, he goes to his office and says, uh, mein Führer Trump, I must leave. And they shake hands, they part ways, and then everything is butterflies and rainbows. And then Trump 
loses his mind as he is wont to do yep and tweets about how he fired him and yeah he said uh, i informed john bolton last night that his services are no longer needed at the white house i disagreed strongly with many of his suggestions as did others in the administration and therefore i hate his ellipses it needs to be crazy i asked john for his resi- resignation um yeah, that's not the way it happened. No. I don't believe him. I love how whenever Trump talks about something as if he has authority, he always does it as if he's writing like an old-timey decree. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I say. Hey, I, hey, I do hey, declare. By royal decree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a scene from The Office where Michael Scott walks out and says, I declare bankruptcy. Yes. I didn't say it, I declared it. <laughs> we, need, we need Bill back just so he can speak it. I do declare. <laughs> Get all foghorn, leghorn. call in and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just exactly. yell that into the phone, please. This is, this is a really interesting development for me, though, because I hate John Bolton. Like John I do. Bolton. Michael Bolton is the worst. Mm-hmm. Worst artist ever. That no talent ass clown, as Adam said. <laughs> Adam said that, yeah. Uh, and this development of him leaving is kind of interesting because John Bolton, as many might know, was responsible for the Venezuela stuff where we were quote unquote not sending arms to Venezuela in the past. Uh, he was also responsible for holding that stupid fucking notepad in <sighs> public view. What's where, interesting, Jay, you also pegged him on the Iraq stuff. Like you, when we talked about him joining, you were like, this something's going on behind the scenes and they had the boat in. in oh yeah. Tune back into our uh, Iraq episode and you'll hear Jay talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. You were on it. Yeah. Yeah. It was Bolton. Yeah, and so what's really interesting about this is, and I was reading this article about uh, Trump versus Bolton recently, and it was from allsides.com, and it, which is a really great website, actually. They give you uh, a single news story with three different perspectives. Interesting. From I left, not right, and center. Yeah, I really like them. I like to go there. Allsides.com? Mm-hmm. Huh. I, like, I like to go there when I'm just doing research on a thing or I want to know about it because it lets me see different perspectives, right? Anyway, so... What was really interesting about it was a lot of people think that Bolton might have actually been responsible for a lot of the overreaches of the Trump administration with regard to foreign policy. Yeah. Tell me more. Um, So, for example, Bolton and Trump were in disagreement, it's rumored, on North Korea. Trump wants to seek peace with North Korea. He's shown said that openly. He's openly does that with he meets with Kim Jong Un, talks about how great of a guy he is, probably because they're a lot alike. And. Then you get that situation going on where Bolton wanted war with North Korea. Venezuela, it's rumored, is the same thing. Iran is rumored the same thing, whereas Bolton was pushing forward with this really strong imperialist message, which he's done in the past, and Trump didn't want it. It's funny to hear John Bolton talk about war with every one of these other countries because he seems to be one of America's greatest chicken hawks. John Bolton uh, worked really hard to avoid getting drafted to Vietnam, and he openly brags about it, too. Don't I mean, they all? Yeah, it's no surprise that Trump, who got out for bone spurs in his feet, uh, it wound up employing another chicken hawk, and all of a sudden they have conflict. Like, of course, they're pardon my language, and I don't mean it to be anti-feminist, but those fucking pussies. Like, <laughs> and nobody. I, the Vietnam War was horrible, and the draft was horrible, and it's abhorrent. I maintain my anti-war status, but like when you're watching your fellow countrymen die and get slaughtered, and your response is, "Oh, I just got to get out of that, however I can," and well, you, you use your parents' money to get out of. It, fuck you you are sending Absolutely, you're yeah. sending my my class of people to go that's right. what you're doing you're choosing to make this a war about class yeah absolutely you. we'll send our most disenfranchised our poorest uh to be you know the, yep. the meat shield for our the working class gets yes. to function as the meat shield so donald trump can have a little bit of an ache in the back of his heel 
the thing that I think is interesting though is right. So Bolton is well known for not wanting to ever engage in diplomatic negotiation. He just doesn't want to do it. And the split happens because Trump wants to have peace talks with uh, the Taliban and cancels those talks because the Taliban kills an American soldier, right? That's how it goes down. And Bolton and I think Trump probably disagreed on it. Now, we don't know the exact details of it. I imagine it had something to do with Bolton arguing that we should engage in retaliatory strikes and Trump not wanting to do it. What do you think that's about? Because I don't think it's a situation of Trump like, is he just sort of, is this too queasy for him? Is it too much? Like, is he, you know, the supreme commander and not able to? I think I know exactly what happened. Um, when we started talking about invading Venezuela, the backlash from both sides oh, was yeah. astronomical. So th- there used to be like this running uh, joke where if you want to up your ratings, you you get involved in a war. But we've been at war for 18 years. And we are tired of it and conservatives and leftists are both tired of it we all have we're going to talk about this a little bit more in our discussion in our discussion piece but we're all sides are tired of it we're tired of constantly being embroiled in these wars in the middle east we're tired of constantly stretching our forces too thin uh we're constantly watching uh our sons and daughters go off to die and we're constantly seeing all this happen so when when another war was on the table it's already out there that we're embroiled in at least nine other conflicts that would have screwed him and the reason that he's probably if i had to guess the reason that he's trying to avoid this is because he knows that's what will fuck his ratings. I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think the thing about Donald Trump is when we watch what he does, there's one thing he does all the time, and that is just builds this idol of himself and tries to create this image of himself that people can worship, and it's a problem. And listen, Donald Trump is a reality TV star. He's a ratings guy, and he's going to do whatever he can to keep them ratings high, whether that's a presidency or not. I think uh, to respond actually to both of your comments, Trump uh, does one thing well where he idolizes himself, but he does another thing really well. He fires people. <laughs> You're fired. You're fired. And, <laughs> and I wanted to... Oh, no, he does. Yeah. Oh, no. That's his yeah. thing. Yeah, that's I, his and, and I wanted to I wanted to share something with you all. Um, so some of you may know that I'm huge into NPR. Like 80% of the podcasts I listen to are NPR, and the other 20% are this. <laughs> so plug for the better left podcast nice um one npr article actually kind of the big one that talked about um getting fired in the trump administration it was some commentary by tamara keith and she posted an infographic about top administration jobs taking longer to fill for so for context um the office of uh the omb director um somebody remind me what omb stands for operation of i think it's the office of management and budget or something like yeah, that i think that's what it is office uh, of Ma- office of management and budget it is. It okay is. cool so 272 days that that office has been vacant and <laughs> and filled by an incumbent milk mick mulvaney currently the chief of staff is actually technically only the acting chief of staff and he has been the acting chief of staff for 278 days so far the secretary of homeland security that position has been vacant slash acting for 158 days so far and this has been happening over and over and over I'm glad you bring this up because actually there's another really important one, which is the Federal Elections Commission is completely not filled right now, which means... It's a vacant position. The FEC, yeah. Which means the FEC cannot enforce 
any law or any federal election commission uh, regulation right now. They have litigation going on now that they're going to continue to pursue, but th- this is potentially very problematic. And that's a union dispute, if I'm correct. Is that what that is? Or is a... I mean, the part of the problem, too, is like this could all be part of the master plan for Trump to keep the presidency as dictatorship, because if there's no way to enforce the law, he can just keep violating all the elections laws he wants and there's nobody to fix it. And if they don't fill that, that's a cycle we could potentially get stuck in. So enjoy that dystopian nightmare. Well, honestly, I think he's just screwed up so roundly, so perfectly (laughs) that it's just the perfect storm of, you know, pick that disaster or this disaster or, you know, you've got a whole deck of cards of disasters this makes me think of that quote from Spaceballs. this is the second time i've brought up a Spaceballs quote today um because because it seems like the republican party and the conservative wing of american government um and american politics seems to play fast and loose with the rules um in a dungeons and dragons alignment that would make them considered evil um because they don't follow they don't uh they don't want to work for the greater good they want to work for their own good so like chaotic evil yes exactly however i mean at this point it's considered lawful evil because they're technically kind of sort of following the rules however i think about this i think about this one quote from Spaceballs: evil will win because good is dumb (laughs) (laughs) good is pretty dumb but this is actually dumb and it's not a i don't know why i thought it was a union dispute i've got labor on the mind of late but this is the I know it's I was not willing to let you be right, though. No, I, was, I no, I, I uh, we've got some union stuff coming union up. We actually have I've been talking to a guest uh, over the uh, past couple of days about um, union stuff and labor issues and stuff. And so we're going to get into that on a later show. But this is about not being there, like a quorum because one of the folks who have worked there, I think he worked there for 14 years. Um, he resigned. Um, yeah. Trainer. Um, he left and now they can't get the quorum that they need to be able to make decisions. And uh, they don't think that they're going to be able to replace him for a few months. Well, and that's because it's by appointment by the White House and then confirmation by the Senate, like all federal positions are. And without them actually being able to give a shit about things like regulation and making sure that elections are actually clean, this is a problem. This is a real problem. Like, who wants to do it? And I don't think the Democrats, I don't think the Republicans either. I don't think either of them want to do this. Moscow Mitch is a big fan of insecure elections. Keep in mind that he actually... uh that he blocked an election security bill from coming uh, from coming up to a vote uh, just a month or two ago because, well, I don't think he's going to say why, but it's probably in the front of a lot of people's minds why. I mean, the fact is you get a lot of these like strict Tea Party leaders who are, they're not Tea Partiers, they're not conservatives, they're not constitutionalists, they're fascist dictators. What they want is they want power. They are old, archaic white men who want to maintain power and who want to make sure they can keep people of color disenfranchised, LGBTQ folks disenfranchised, because as long as they have all these disenfranchised groups, they get to concentrate their power. And if democratic elections are actually allowed to happen, they're going to lose that power. And That's exactly right. We've seen that repeatedly in states that have the strictest election laws, they are losing seats left and right. And the census is going to have a big impact on how we do this voting, this next phase of voting. It's going to be a real challenge. I'm interested for us to get into that. 
you know, I think it's it's super interesting. So I remember when I was in Arizona and I went to go vote, it was really, really difficult because you could it was hard to find your polling location. When you did find it, you usually had to travel about thirty to forty minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I remember when I got to one, I showed them so Arizona had passed some voter ID laws and I had to have my voter registration card. Okay. So this is really important for Arizona because what it meant was that if you didn't have that voter registration card, you weren't gonna vote. So I walked up to the polling station, I showed it to them, and they said, Yep, you can't vote here. Uh. I said, oh, great. Do you know where it is? And they said, nope. So I then had to go look up, look it up on my own to go find the next location. And it's this exact kind of fraud. And I think it's a straight up fraud that prevents people from doing it. And then what they do is they let people like Jerry Falwell put polling locations at Liberty University so that way they know they can control these elections. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, in Arizona, do you have to declare your party? Yes. It is part of your registration. What happens if you, so if you say independent, can you, how do, the, how do those rules work? You can't work? vote for anybody who's Democrat or Republican. Yeah, you it's closed primary. For, yeah, it's closed primary. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So I want to actually propose something um, for a future episode. Um, there's been a lot of talk about gerrymandering recently. And actually, um, y'all being from Arizona, see, I'm trying to fill Bill's position. Y'all. Um, yeah. So. I say y'all. Uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, one of the numerous NPR podcasts that I listened to had an entire episode about gerrymandering and the different ways that it's been uh, addressed. Arizona's had some very interesting fights over gerrymandering and the different ways in which they address it. So um, I'd love to talk more about the Arizona voter voter and voting situation uh, at some point in the next couple of months absolutely well we can actually talk about it specific to washington state because we're going to dig into it with a census we've got some guests coming they're going to talk about uh we've got league of women voters coming we've got a bunch of folks who are really working to find a balance with the census which will determine what our districts look like and can you know we we're supposed to have this you know nonpartisan group um of people making those decisions i'm skeptical but maybe they're fantastic so I think this kind of goes back to right. So when we're talking about John Bolton, we're thinking about, okay, so this guy's resigned and this guy was a secretary of state, right? That's who he was. And he had to replace Rex Tillerson. Was he secretary of defense? Was he secretary of defense? Yes, secretary of state still acting. All right. Yeah. So let's go Mike back. Mulvaney. So secretary. So John Bolton was secretary of defense. And this is a really big deal though, right? I mean, we're talking secretary of defense. This is a per- person who controls a lot of different assets and having that position one likely unfilled or worst case filled with a Trump sycophant is incredibly scary to me because Trump has shown one thing, right? So this is, this is where I had a love hate relationship with Bolton. On one hand, Bolton was really pro military pro coup and all these things hated that. On the other hand, he was careful about who he negotiated with because he hated negotiating and Trump is less so about that. And it seems to be, seems to me at the very least that whoever will, uh, Sittle on up to Trump and just make him feel good and say nice things to him. He's going to negotiate with him. Not always for a good deal. Not always for like the deal that he purports to get. And so that's a real issue. I I see us losing a lot on the international stage because of it. And he's so, it's just such a live wire. And we've already lost, we've already lost so much. Like our, our role in the, in the global stage is just not, it's watching, we have no strength. Watching Trump bumble around in front of folks and just sort of, you know, it just was, it was really, he looked addled and yeah, he he was definitely out of his element. Yeah. But, uh, so I think that about wraps up our big news breakdown of the loss of Michael John Bolton. Uh, from the <laughs> that from no talent ass clown. 
<laughs> from uh, Donald Trump's cabinet. And um, that leads us into our next big piece, which is our discussion portion. So we're going to sit and we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, so we want to do the hard thing and talk about 9-11. But we don't want to talk about it from like, where were you on 9-11? We want to talk about the ways the world has changed since 9-11 and the things we've noticed in our communities and the things we've noticed um, since for, from our response versus where we are now. All right, so I guess we're just going to jump right on into our discussion piece here. Um, I'm going to let Jay take it away from here. He's going to talk about what we're uh, going to be talking about, and then we're going to talk about the thing that we're going to talk about. Which is the, b- <laughs> the best description of anything I've ever Thank heard. You. Ever. I feel like that's a very, really... strong, a very strong introduction. <laughs> All right, so 9-11, right? That's a, it's a really important topic because it really was a kind of a pinnacle moment in my life and I think in a lot of other people's lives. Um, And I thought one of the things that was really interesting for me this year was that I found myself a little exasperated. And I know this sounds weird, but as everything happens on 9-11, you go on to Facebook, you go on to Twitter and everybody's posting their pledges of like, Support and pledges of like never I'll never forget. F- I'll never thoughts f- and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah, I'll never forget about my thoughts and prayers about the planes that struck the towers. Yeah, and it was a really weird moment in my life growing up because when I grew up at that time, I was deep in the conservative evangelical movement, and I remember struggling with these feelings of the gays did it. That was just Pat Robertson. He's the only one who struggled. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Yeah, we did that. We brought we this brought that very, on. This is a heavy did, topic. Did you say so the I gays might did Pat Robertson. Yes, <laughs> that's probably true. Yes, um, but I remember struggling with these feelings of like, where do I fit in? Right, and you, as a young man, were feeling these feelings of patriotism and jingoism, and you know, I should sign up and fight the enemy or whatever it might have been. And it was such a strong contrast for me from back then to now, where I'm looking at these posts and I say, God, how did we get here? Right. So much has changed in that time period. And I thought what would be kind of interesting is just to think about that reflection. So for myself, one of the things that I find really difficult now is that feeling that I used to have of, hey, this was I should feel patriotism and I should feel like my or the soldiers are going over there and sacrificing for our freedom and those kind of things. I feel disillusioned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I feel Mm -hmm. like the that period of where I could believe that as a kid is almost like Santa Claus, right? So you're looking at this moment where you say, okay, you know, the Iraq war was justified. The Afghanistan war was justified. And now as an adult, you look back on it and it has shaped the majority of my life. All of those events from, uh, and there's a great reason to think that the recession was partly attributed to it. There's a good reason to think that all of these kind of like awful things that occurred were attributed to it. And now here we are. I mean, we were when this all first happened and it was less than a, a month that we between 9-11 and then us going to war in Iraq. Shocking. Um, we have been told they're fighting for our freedom. They're fighting for our freedom. And you can only say that for so many years and in so many wars and with so many dead American soldiers before we start. We start to ask ourselves, what f- what freedom are we fighting for? And you hear stories from uh, Dorothy Gasquet, who's a veteran who ran for Congress in the third district in Washington. She's a veteran. She talked ad nauseum about how um, it's the contracting companies and the military industrial companies that are getting rich off of this stuff. And people are they don't have enough soldiers. No, not enough people are trained because they're all contractors. They don't have enough supplies. They're not getting the money they need. And one of the most disgusting moments for her in history was when she and her entire battalion were sent out to guard oil fields that were lit on fire. And 
that's not American freedom. No, and it's so odd because when you juxtapose this now, right? So last week we did an interview with Andrew Hong, who's a community activist slash organizer of activists. Yeah. Uh, and he's not old enough to remember 9-11. Right. right? Doesn't know a world without this specter of, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. And he was a volunteer on our campaign, uh, on Sarah's campaign, where... He went out there and he was knocking doors and trying to change the minds of people who all went through this. And it's hard for somebody like him to really imagine what would that world have been like, right? A world before the Border Patrol, a world before ICE, a world before Homeland Security. Yeah. Right. A world before having to take your shoes off when you go to the damn airport. Right. And I remember when I was a kid going and watching my dad get on that gate so he could leave on an airplane and watching him fly away. And now you can't even do that. Like you check out at the security terminal and that's it. That's all you've got. And what has it bought us? Theater for sure. I mean, <sighs> like it's, it's one of those things I'll tell you, you know, when you, I, I read, we, we, we try to, we try to plan our shows in advance, but, um, you know, I looked at the, uh, the show sheet and I was just like, uh, not this. And I'm trying to unpack why my initial reaction was that. And I think that it's, it's a, push and a pull between all of that you know god bless america god bless our troops that jingoist sort of craziness and i just remember being exhausted even after it had happened like for christmas my mother gave me a a big book a pictorial of 9-11 and i was just like Ugh, that's it. I, I didn't say anything to her because, you know, she was trying to, you know, process her own um, stuff around that. But uh, the thing that's bizarre about that is because it, it, it became an industry unto itself, uh, sort of, you know, a memorialized, you know, uh, corporate sort of money grab. And I mean, I think we, for me at least, this is my take on it. I start, I'm starting to get the same feelings about 9-11 as I do whenever I see the reaction to school shootings or mass shootings. Yes. How many times are we going to hashtag thoughts and prayers? How many times are we going to go on Veterans Day or 9-11 or um, Memorial Day and say, support our troops, support the veterans, support the soldiers before we actually fucking do like where trump to fund his wall is shutting down middle schools at bases for kids it just blows my mind that is that is such brinksmanship i can't even believe it it's just that you would parcel away resources for schools and make a scene of it well i mean going into the going to both school shootings and shoe bombings and all of these things is what comes up for me is just this idea of of what is a terrorist, right? Um, 9-11 is, to, from my perspective anyway, when we redefined what a terrorist is. Uh, Timothy McVe McVeigh in 1995, uh, uh, he perpetrated the Oklahoma City bombing and uh, was, was charged with terrorism and was put to death. Uh, whether or not you believe that the death penalty uh, should exist. The fact of the matter, he was charged and he was put to death. 9-11 um, happened. There were 18, 19 uh, people in those airplanes who hit three different buildings and a wonderful field in Pennsylvania. And all of a sudden, um, white folks with guns who were, who were 
shooting up uh, concerts and shooting up schools and shooting up Walmarts were no longer terrorists. They were people with mental illness. They were people who deserved sympathy instead of... Uh, but as soon as you know, you see somebody, a person of color with a gun, automatically they are considered a terrorist. I, and I think this is the thing that's really interesting, right? So 9-11 is this hallmark moment, right? So when you speak to people who are a little bit older than myself, you might hear them talk about the JFK shooting. You might hear them talk about uh, the Nixon impeachment, all these other possibilities, right? As these hallmark moments and these defining uh, periods in their lives. But for us, it's 9-11. And the thing that I think is really interesting is 9-11 issued in this moment of fascism, right? It issued in this moment of jingoism where, uh, and I, I think I, I've said it on other podcasts, but I think it really captured it mostly when that became when it was clear that to be a good American was to be a good Christian, to be a good Christian was to be a good American, and nobody else is included. Right. Quite frankly, to be a good American Christian is to be a good white person. That's you have to be white in order to be a good American. Absolutely. I mean that that is hand in hand with this whole They're thing: chauvinism, xenophobia, all of that. And so, I think. Whoa. A little. Sorry, y'all. That was my stomach. <laughs> Bringing the thunder. Yeah, a little thunder going on. We got a Seattle thunderstorm happening. It's uh, Seattle thunder. We're not supposed to get these climate change. Anyway, oh. continue. Do you think <laughs> the mist preceded the storm? Oh, this, this is the Seattle, Seattle sound. Oh my god. Hey, uh, Seattle sound. This and that Puget is the sound. Seattle Sounders. <laughs> At any rate, like the thing that <laughs> yeah, I booed all of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a supersonic sound. Oh my god. Rest in peace. Swallow your microphone <laughs> i hope they put you out to see and make you a mariner adam uh god forbid i'll see hawking up to this <laughs> i was totally gonna i was gonna participate and i was just like i refuse I anyway out, outside is rainier than inside oh. <laughs> anyway back to 9-11 <laughs> wow. sorry y'all we recorded my pun podcast on saturday <laughs> you still got yeah you still got a little of that pun on you well so <laughs> <laughs> what else can you do right in the face of this kind of stuff with laugh got, right exactly i mean right. and to be very clear we are all very this is a, a uncomfortable challenging subject not just because of what happened and the horrors of it because of the far-reaching i mean the whole world just went crazy i mean fractured into you know how many different conspiracy theories are there i mean the whole thing is just broken up we do need to joke a little bit because we're we're only fragile human yeah and i just think it's really interesting because you know think about the music that was really popular around that time right i'm proud to be an american oh yeah God bless america came back right there was a huge spike of church attendance we went to war again and that's a big one and three years later green day's american idiot came out protesting the whole damn thing and the funny thing about that that whole album is like it got huge commercial success even though it was critiquing commercial success yeah <laughs> yeah but that's why we like them but i think it's interesting when you think about okay so there was that moment in history now how our lives change right and we were just talking about andrew when he's not even 18 yet right he doesn't even know a world about this and for me i see the schism that's developing right i think 9-11 for me is that polarizing moment it's where I can I can point to very, very clearly, and I can say the people who fall on one side and the people who fall on the other are either going to be conservative or they're going to be uh, leftists. Like, there, there's no dividing the two. Like, that is that sharp dividing moment. So, when I was, uh, so I was 11 when 9-11 happened, um, and I remember, like, my big thing was five years later. Um, 
we'd already had, we'd already invaded Afghanistan. We'd already invaded Iraq. But I remember when I was in AP US history, I was 16 years old and there was an image of, of the burning towers in, um, in the, in the last chapter of the textbook. That's when I realized my life was history. It's funny now because I've gone from like reading from experiencing it in middle school, reading about it in high school, now teaching high school. And, uh, this is year five for me in the classroom. My first year was the, I think the only year where I have had students who were alive when September 11th, uh, was perpetrated. Um, maybe my first two years that was the case, but starting in 2017, none of my students were alive. Not only had they not experienced a world with, uh, without those twin or a world with those twin towers they also hadn't experienced a world an uh, america that wasn't in war like for them it's not a uh it's not it's not something that they experienced it's not even something they experienced the after effects of it's something that to them is history books and it's really important right because when you think about it and we're talking about like this is history these are the des- defining moments the dividing moments if you will um, I remember this one story, and Sarah, you'll remember this. Uh, it's one of the only times I've ever blocked somebody on Facebook. Oh, yes. This is a college, old college story from old Arizona. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to set everyone up. <laughs> what's coming. So, Arizona's an interesting place, and when I went to school there, I was a... Uh, a double major and part of that was religious studies because I make bad choices. And oh, that's not a bad choice. I think that was a good choice. It was it my minor. Inflated my GPA. <laughs> that was a good choice. Uh, so anyway, I was taking this uh, intro to Islam class and it was really nice because I got a chance to learn a lot about what went into the culture, what went into the religion and I, the the professor of that, God bless her, because she tolerated me so much with yeah, just asking you questions. Were it was me. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> she was honestly a saint. Um, but I remember there was a mosque that they would practice at right next to the university, and there were these apartment complexes that they built. It was this tower right next to the mosque. And what happened was students moved in, and they started throwing stuff at the mosque. Yeah. That's the thing that really bothered me, um, the, especially in looking back, how ignorant I was at the time to the plight of our Muslim brothers and sisters and the, the vilification that continues to this day. I think we're seeing a, a new generation of leaders emerge who have been kind of through that, uh, that gauntlet of just racism and, and xenophobia and, uh, you know, uh, Ilan Omar being a perfect example. Yeah. And I think those leaders are really doing a nice job about calling people out and saying, Hey, we need to be better about it. And so this was my chance, right? Because what happened was this guy that I rode motorcycles with, he posted saying that the mosque had a, uh, had a news article written about them, about how they were upset about that. And they were just asking people to come help clean. They weren't really doing anything. They weren't asking for money. It was just like, could you come help clean the parking lot if that was what was going on? And he said, if the Muslims don't like it so much, why don't they just fly another plane into that tower? Oh, what God. the real. fuck? That's real. That was a real. I, it was on Facebook. It was absolutely a real thing that happened. I saw it too. And I, I didn't know what to do F? with myself. And, you know, that was a really confusing time for me because like on one hand, I, having grown up conservative, know that this person probably isn't the demon that he's per- Supporting himself to be, but I don't know what else to do. And it's like, you know, I've been thinking about this more and more lately with like Bo, and I've been telling you this quote from Bojack Horseman where uh, the girl whose name I can never remember. Diane? 
Diane, yep, that's the one, uh, is asked about, well, is it really, what is it to be a good person? Right. And she says, well, I think maybe there is no such thing as what it is to be a good person. Maybe what it is, is we're just all the sum of our actions. Uh, there is no good person deep down. Yeah. You, that doesn't exist. And so I, this is a, I think about these moments when I think about nine 11, because for me, I think of it as a dividing moment, right? This is the moment when things were divided. America was divided between left and right. Yeah. Uh, Muslims were divided from Christians. Jews were divided from Christians and Muslims. Everybody was divided into their own camps and everybody was divided into what they were supposed to be. Gays couldn't interact with straights. In fact, gays were responsible for nine 11 and other <laughs> That's hurricanes. Right. We, and tornadoes. Yeah, we're sorry. Thank you. And yeah. for tornadoes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so when I think about what's changed, for me, that's it. It's division. That's one of the big things. Is that why they're called Friends of Dorothy? Yes. The Wizard yes. of Oz? I will drop a house on you again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the thing that that's very interesting and how the government was able to leverage those schisms, our social you know, fabric kind of unraveling and institute egregiously overwrought security procedures that honestly are just i mean i i am i really think it's important that you provide security and do the things that you need to do but the things that that they're making us go through the whole flying thing is just a from top to bottom like it's killing the earth it's really awful and uh you know who needs that that close of a pat down. But I, I do want to say this though, when you've got this, all this falling apart, then you see these people who are capitalizing on that fracture and making even, uh, originally, um, uh, challenging and painful, uh, cultural issues, even more so to push their agenda. Um, it's, it's really crass. It's really awful. So talking about the division, I'm thinking, I'm wondering if, if, cause I wasn't, I was young when 9-11 happened and I don't, the experience I have with pre 9-11, a lot of it was travel, travel to the Middle East, visiting my family in Israel. Um, and so I'm kind of curious if 9-11 was also a dividing moment between um, action and words. So if that was, if that was one of those moments where people talk, where people either, either started doing something about, about, you know, making a stand about something or, Hashtag thoughts and prayers. I don't think that I'm looking back. I honestly feel like we were so stunned. This is my take. So, you know, uh, not maybe not so hot, but um, uh, definitely looking back at the time, I feel like it stunned people. The, the the general public were they were stunned we were stunned uh didn't really know what was going on there was definitely a leaning into this more theatrical sort of proud to be an american and then you then you suddenly had things like you know dads or moms returning home to surprise their child and all that sort of you know returning military family you know porn and it's just really yeah. So uh, also the other thing is the um, I totally lost my train of thought. I looked right in your face and <laughs> I, <laughs> I, was do, like, I have that effect on people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but also the uh, it, it's I, I think that we didn't really get activated until later. Like that's when real activism started kicking up even more so. And I feel like activism was a response. Like, so Jay talks about these camps that we got divided into. And I mean, after 9-11, that's when you really saw people start doing things like, <clears throat> excuse me, like investing. It's going to sound like a weird one, but just follow my train of thought. Uh, 
<clears throat> we started getting more obsessed with the security of our homes from our neighbors. We started getting more obsessed with don't talk to strangers. We started getting more obsessed with with don't introduce yourself to new people. We started getting more obsessed with insulating ourselves from these groups. And I mean, I actually think that, you know, it was it was precipitated by the internet and social media and definitely like exacerbated by them because it allowed us to stay in our echo chambers. It allowed us to keep those thoughts going. It allowed us to keep to keep those conspiracy theories going about the other and to the fear about the other. And then you see apps like uh, Nextdoor that have come out of this. And I think Nextdoor and the fear mongering that you get from, uh, from, quite frankly, from suburban white women about dumb shit, like a suspicious Prius was circling the block. He was just try, trying to it's deliver so food, awful. man. It's and awful. like this, this innate suspicion of each other just became so much more exacerbated that you see these security measures in our own homes. I think too, that's when you saw the spike in doomsday preppers and you saw like that, that falls in line with people who suddenly then became came very kind of uh, inverted yeah i just wanted to say thank you all because because like thanks for that for that additional perspective you know there's a lot of stuff that i didn't get to experience i didn't i wasn't in high school um i never had the thoughts about ooh, should i go into the military um i was in middle school where i was young enough that even at age 11 we we're talking about making jokes about stuff like i made jokes because that's the only way i knew to process things and I think that's what a lot of people do, right? When we did it here tonight when we were just sitting here laughing for a second. Um, that's what you do. You make jokes to cope with things, but it's like, you know, there are lots of other things that are repercussions of 9-11, which I think we don't think about, right? So for example, ICE, the kids at the border right now being detained, still, yeah, still going on, right? ICE only exists after 9-11. Yep. It's a Department of the Homeland Security. It's a division of them. And they are directly responsible for a lot of these atrocities and our obsession with the rule of law and that kind of like regulation that's causing it. And thank you, Jay. Atrocities, atrocities. Absolutely right. But it goes. It's it comes back to that that idea that I'm talking about with this obsession with security. All of a sudden, like this new this, and it's not even re- security. It's this renewed obsession with with fear and a- anti fear tactics. Tactics like what can we do to insulate ourselves from anything bad ever happening ever. And we're using the most common denominator for people that we've used throughout history, skin color. Skin color. Do you remember? Absolutely. And do you remember the threat chart? Like today it's red, tomorrow it's yellow. Like it never really kind of, that. I, I was really relieved when that kind of went away. But um, I remember it would being in all the schools and you know, that was just something. Like Smokey the Bear about, but like for terrorism. Oh, it's so ridiculous. So, and one last thing, and this is just a really interesting kind of thought is like, you know, I was at this group the other day and we were talking about immigration. I actually got mad because he was talking about, well, we need law to enforce immigration. Otherwise you don't have a border. What's the point of having a border? And the funny thing about it was this man was an immigrant. His family had immigrated to the United States. And so they did so in a legal way and kudos to them for being able to afford to do that. Um, But the big thing about it was it highlighted for me just one thing. And this is just a really important piece. People forget that people are people. People yeah. forget that people, what was supposed to be a unifying moment, right, ended up becoming a thing by which we could divide people into, you're not American, I'm American, when really this is supposed to be about the land of the free. You know, this is supposed to be the land of liberty. We're supposed to be Americans who open the doors wide to people, right? And this is not what we do anymore. And we use it all because, uh, well, I mean, I hesitate to say all because, but, you know, we use 9-11 as a point to point to and say, yep. That's where, that's where we uh, amplified the already existing sort of tensions and 
And I mean, you know, I lift my lamp beside the golden door. That's it's literally written on the Statue of Liberty. And what makes me sad and frustrated about all of this is like what the the jingoistic response we saw, that hyper obsession with patriotism was in reaction to the how could somebody do this to our country? And we forget that it's our country. And so what we started to do was in that same thread of this heightened idea of fear and heightened idea of it, personal security versus, you know, recognizing that what the threat truly was. Um, we just we get so caught up in it that we can't separate ourselves from it and we become obsessed with this idea of defining what is it to be an American you're an un-American because you think another country is is good or you're un-American because you think socialism could work we just are using these defining things circling back to it we're using these weird defining moments circling back to like what is an American and we're trying to use and it's, it stems from 9-11 and the hyper jingoistic reaction to yeah. it and quite frankly we forget that to be an American is to be in America and whoever the fuck you want to be. Um, and God uh, bless you. <laughs> and a, a brief aside about the Statue of Liberty is, you know, these days, the Statue of Liberty wouldn't have been invited into the into the United States. The Statue of Liberty is based on an Egyptian woman. So a brown, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so and and it was a gift from it was a gift from France, the home of uh the home of those, you know, they called them the cheese eating surrender monkeys. <laughs> oh God. So so all you know, all all of these things, Emma Lazarus was um was a Jew of of um Sephardic descent. So she was you know, she was a Jew of color and or, you know, more so. Um, and all these all these ways, the Statue of Liberty would not fit with uh, in in a lot of ways with the America that we have become. And I think the most defining moment, this happened not too long ago. Um, this is published just back on August 13th. One of Trump's advisors, Ken Cuccinelli, ironic uh was asked if lazarus's poem the new colossus remains part of the american ethos and this was speaking to npr and he responded with um he responded with some edits that he suggested he says uh they certainly are referring to immigrants however he suggested the following edits give me your tired and your poor who can stand on their own two feet and who will not become a public charge Jeez. Mm-hmm. it literally says send these the homeless tempest i mean it just well, let me go ahead and point something out. These are words coming out of the mouth of a man who's receiving public money for his salary every year. So who's the real public charge? Maybe maybe uh, he would benefit from the $120,000 accidental deposit by the bank. I, I want to add one final him. comment from me. And, and that is uh, when, I, when 9-11 occurred and I was with, um, I was working with, old folks in the granny barn, I like to call it. And they experienced World War II, the stuff that they talked about, the description. I mean, they, they, it was, it was harrowing. Um, and, and I think as they got older, there were some folks who just didn't process that very well. And on nine 11, it was, it was horrifying. It was really, it was a struggle. And, and I do, as painful as that was, the one thing I valued was a reflection on the past. From that perspective, it was a different moment for me, um, tying the past and the wars and the um, how many people we lost and seeing people in the twilight of their lives look at this 
and think, you know, that's that's pretty dark. Um, and but there was something about survival, something about perseverance. There was something about that that there was that spark. Um, looking back from this vantage point where we all sit, um, I do feel like there's a lot of unanswered questions. Yeah, and I think we've. I mean, we've talked a lot about how we've changed since 9-11 and the things that we see as a result of 9-11. But these are the kind of conversations we need to be having. Like we we can't just sit and keep offering the same. When 9-11 happened, I was at my computer. I was in front of my TV. I was on the train. We need to start talking about what the world was like before 9-11 and where we are now. We need to start talking about the cultural fear, about the yeah. jingoism that has bled into our society in a toxic Un- and disgusting unfairly way. Unfairly and disgusting, yeah. Yes. I think we can all agree, abolish ice? Yes. Abolish ice. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where this whole podcast was going today. <laughs> that's it, yeah. A long that's way to it. get that's there, the but discussion. That's get the rid tweet. of them. Melt the ice and Ooh, destroy so the Amazon. We right? uh, Melt the ice, destroy the Amazon, start thunderstorming in Seattle. God knows what's next. Uh, I don't want to know. I, I do don't like how know. the thunder rolled in as we were it having perfect. our It perfect, and deep... now the thunderstorm has passed over us, and we've just finished the discussion about 9-11. It's just very poetic, you guys. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I can celebrate one-eighth of Passover with you, too. Oh. Ooh, just one eight though because it's what is it like two it's 12 days i'm kidding i'm good it's my favorite song actually. my favorite holiday song i love that you sing a christmas song to get that <laughs> oh, it can God. be miracles when you believe is that from the um, prince of egypt is that uh-huh. from yeah I love that movie. No hope is frail. <laughs> I want to watch that movie. I want not to. Christmas is right around the corner. Is oh, it? You, you know it's coming. It's months away. Winter. Winter. <laughs> Winter or fall. Um, Halloween. Yeah. Super excited. Time. You, you mean you mean uh, Thanksgiving Eve? Yeah. I'm, I, Thanksgiving is garbage it's my holiday. Favorite, Halloween's my favorite holiday. So. Halloween is my favorite. I like Thanksgiving. Well, I. I Thanksgiving, I enjoy for the most part. I well, that's a lie. I have a toxic relationship with my family. I hated Thanksgiving. <laughs> I, I was gonna but this just is my second year where I don't have to go deal with my horrible family. So I was just gonna talk mad crap about <laughs> my family and not in a real way. I love all you. I will uh, win. <laughs> <laughs> no, you definitely will. But I was like, I was just gonna jump into this whole like I hated that, and I was like, ah, okay, never mind. It's sorry, not sorry, that mom. Bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> you know what I need though? Turkey. A palate oh, cleanser, a literal palate cleanser. It's a palate cleanser. It's a palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. A Pilates cleanser. Pilates cleanser. My Pilates are clogged. Uh, yes, the Pilates is my favorite vestigial Pilates. organ. <laughs> 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 so what's on the dot? So we talked about. Uh, I think we all we all want to start before we get into our full full on palate cleanser. I think we should all pick one thing to say our thoughts and prayers for because that's the way that we're coping with tragedy now. So uh, thoughts and prayers to uh, Jonathan Michael Bolton and his uh, career <laughs> torpedoing. Thoughts and prayers. Hope he gets a new one. Uh, thoughts and prayers to. Netflix, honestly, with all these new streaming services, they're probably going to the garbage. <laughs> uh, thoughts and prayers to the men and women of the Amazon, because, I mean, they're burning. But That's a real one. You would legit on it. it. <laughs> we can't solve it, but we can send our thoughts and prayers. Oh, we can't oh, fix wow. it, but we can think real hard about it. Can I, can I just change mine real quick? Yeah. Thoughts and prayers to the Star Wars franchise because it's about to suffer J.J. <laughs> Abrams a second time and nothing can <laughs> yeah, fix it. Yeah, I don't even get what's going on there. A I, different super weapon. No, it does. 
Yeah, you keep your light under a bushel, sir, and I believe that's biblical. But you're like a big, you're like deep into the. Oh, Jay is yeah. deep into the Star Wars. Universe. Just remember, in in Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi, Laura Dern had to re had to retake yeah. her scenes so many times because with her blaster, she kept saying pew pew. <laughs> I love Laura Dern. And if you watch not. it, you can see you can actually see the mouth movements and. <laughs> so thoughts and prayers to all of the outtakes. <laughs> That we've never seen. <laughs> that they won't show us. The people want to know. Pew, pew. Who are you I thinking about and praying for? Uh, you know, I say um, the Reverend Falwell Jr., my thoughts and prayers go out to him. He continues to be embattled because he's, um, you know, like he was caught out at, uh, you know, like uh, gay bars and he's like out Preaching, to. Preaching, like trying to save them, yeah, Troy. Yeah, that's exactly trying to right. Save us from ourselves. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> he's just a jackass. He's the worst. Um, he's the target of an attempted coup. Oh, God. On the Falwell. Thoughts and prayers for your coup, Mr. Sir. Yeah, you coo 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 Okay. So Jay is a game for us to play now. Let's play a game. Yes. Um, we I are going to play a game. We're going to cleanse our palates by trying to guess the definition. There are only four options. It's multiple choice. So nice. I'm going to read the words to you, and there are 13 of them. And Ooh. I don't have my new glasses, wow. so I literally can't see what's on your screen, even if I tried. Perfect. <laughs> and so we're all just going to, as a group, decide, and we're going to see how trash we are at this. Yes. Ready? Go. Quag swag. Quag swag. Mm-hmm. Here are the options to waddle and limp unsuccessfully. That's how I normally walk. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. To wear something out. Sarah. To wear something out. I think outdoors. It's not clear. <laughs> to, uh, just to, to wear the, it down. To just a to generally wear it in an outwardly yep. fashion. Head, head to the uh, club. Like <laughs> <this podcast laughs> quag swag. This is my quag swag. To shake back and forth or to walk or strunt strut arrogantly. You're a strut. I'm going with that one. Walk or strut arrogantly. Squag swag. Mm. I'm going with number three. I'm going shake number back four. and forth. Yeah, shaking back and forth. Ooh. I quag my swag back and forth. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I'm going with four. Okay, walk or strut arrogantly. We're choosing it. Incorrect. It was to shake back and oh! forth. What a nice. Damn. All right. Okay. Word winner. Rookie one. Everyone else. Nerds, <laughs> <Birds>, nothing. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here, number two, Alexi Kacken. I, I was going to ask you to use this sentence. Never uh, mind. Can, can you please spell it? Alex I Kacken. <laughs> that sounds like my doctor. Yep. <laughs> it does. A, a payment or bribe paid to a judge, a sudden and loud noise, a charm or talisman that protects against bad luck, or a glimmer of sunlight. I think, I think it's number it's four. The charm. The talisman. I think it's number two. I think it's number two as well. All right. That's the only one that had a vote. It, incorrect. It is a charm or talisman. Oh, never double up. That's the rule now. We're cursed. <laughs> no, no, no. I might have this been cursed. This side of the by... table, our side of the table, Troy and I are currently. <sighs> yeah. Two and I. I might have been hexed on my vacation, just so you know. A ring that I thought I got rid of wound up in someone else's, uh, like a box of someone else's, and I was not wearing it. So I don't know where it came from. Yeah. So I've been cursed by some kind of witch. Wait, what? Ghost. A, a, a ring I got rid of. Pop yeah. was showed up in a moving box that I was uh, at my friend's house. <laughs> and I don't know how I got there. Great. So I didn't even have the same purse with me that I brought to uh, get rid of it. So that is super All right. creepy. Wink, spink. Uh, I beg <laughs> your pardon. <laughs> Sounds like last night. I have an idea of what wink. it might mean. It might Water mean to down wink beer. aggressively. It's different than a wank spank. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Water down beer. 
watered down beer. A sideways glance. A sideways glance. A rain cloud. Or the reflection of sun on the water. Well, I'm going with that one. Yeah, I'm going with four. I think it's uh, the number three with the rain one. It is a watered down beer. You're all idiots. Whoa. It's a wink spink. Yep. I need etymology. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe in wink spinks personally. I think, I, me neither. I think they're a myth. I believe but, it was beautiful before its nose got shot off. <laughs> but, my, but my thoughts and prayers go to the people who have to suffer the wink spink. Oh, God. <laughs> all right. We got, let's do two more. Two more. Okay. Okay. All right. For Jeskit, it's an adjective. Okay. All right. Oh, that did not that did not help me at all. For Jeskit? For Jeskit. They for were Jeskit. Jeskit. Could be for Jeskit, in their but longing. Jay makes a hard noise in English. All right. One. For forgotten. Jeskit. Forgotten. For Jeskit. I'm going to kill you two. <laughs> for Forgot- Jeskit. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go, Troy. You can read them. Oh, oh come my on. God. Jeskit. Relax. Relax. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I lifted up I lifted up a <laughs> fake sword and I said, for Jeskit. I just watched that movie. It's called Outlaw King on Netflix. <laughs> Forgotten, overlooked, exhausted, worn out. That one. Jutting out, projecting forwards, or full to the brim. Number nah, three. Number two. I'm going number four. Fuck it. Yolo. Number two is the forlorn. What did you choose? Sarah chose four and she wins. Uh, it's number two, exhausted and worn out. Whoa. Ooh. Why? Ah, it's because it's a 17th century uh, adjective. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Mind. I was gonna That's ask how he knows. <laughs> hey. Uh, <What>? Fam grasp. <laughs> Final one. Fam? Fam grasp. It's a verb. Fam, F-A-M. Sounds like something that happens in the South. Yeah, you... F- fam grasp. All right. You fam grasp. Like, you fam grasp that cherry, son. And it's a fam grasp the calf. It's an adjective by the horn. It's a it's a verb. This is not helping me. I like, love how doesn't... you're thinking about it, Troy, as if you are ever going to guess this. No, I feel like I've heard this word before. Troy's like I heard butt the, right the now. Troy's winning. I think he's got three. Okay. Oh, it restarted. One second. Uh, if you have to pick a new word, you got to pick a new word. Uh, no, you do not. All right, here we go. To break something or by handling it, or to break something by handling it clumsily. To hit someone in the face, <laughs> to shake hands in agreement, to steady yourself while walking. Number three. Okay, read them. Okay, so it's fam jesket. Fam That's grasp. Fam grasp. Fam grasp it. Just fam grasp. Fam grasp. Okay, and then can you read them one more time? <laughs> to break something by handling it clumsily, to hit someone in the face, to shake hands in agreement, or to steady yourself while walking. I'm gonna go with. Doesn't matter. I'll win anyway. But yeah, you will. Uh, I'm gonna go with the to break something or whatever. I love how you're trying to bring strategy. This you're like, if I just think I just hard guess. enough, I'm like, what feels no, good? No, I'm trying to run through the different words that how you use it in sense. Sarah and Adam, you are correct. We are correct. Yes. I got one. Would you fam grasp? Uh, yeah. In victory, uh, were I? You know, I win a lot. <laughs> no, only only when we play our games. <laughs> Let the record show that Troy did not fam grasp. Yeah, he did I did not. not. Fam grasp. The winner he did does not, not get into this fam grasp. grasp. With peasants like us. No, not with the hoi polloi. I just love it because I'm going to say this more often now. I'm just going to be like, fam grasp on it. 
Oh, no, you really are. I'm going to bring this to work tomorrow, and I'm just going to ask everybody to fam grasp. Please fam grasp. It would be nice just to just stand there and see what they do. Well, what do, do they have to offer? I do like, I shake hands with all my students on their way in the door. Like, I high five them. I give them, I give them a fist bump. But tomorrow, I'm just going to ask every <gasps> single one for a fam grasp. Can you call it fam grasp Friday? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm more excited about this than I should be. Yes. Fam Grass Friday has begun. <laughs> yes. And I'll now put it's it on the thing. door and everything. It's going <laughs> to happen. Fam. They're going to learn grass. And they're going to play this game someday and be like, oh, yes, I know this. <laughs> <laughs> That's Thanks, right. Mr. Yeah. Angle. <laughs> You're going to bring it back. Oh, man. Well, that about wraps us up for this episode. The return of me. So thank you guys for tuning in and listening to us talk about uh, John Michael Bolton and 9-11 and people that steal money from banks and uh, play a very weird game. Next week we are going to be, our discussion piece is going to be an interview with uh, Seattle City Councilwoman and current um, candidate for City Council as well Miss uh, Shama Sawant. We are going to be talking about um, what it's like to run in Seattle, her race, get some details on her policy, have her go into some discussion about labor and unions and rent control. Um, so definitely tune in and check it out. That's going to be a really cool interview interview and it's going to be one of those that we do an hour and we give you guys about 25 minutes on the on the episode and we drop them both at the same time so don't forget to tune in and uh thank you guys so much this is the episode where we believe it's uh better left to all of us to talk about 9-11 and the repercussions please boop, boop. thoughts and prayers Boston. thoughts and prayers for i was gonna say <laughs> thoughts and prayers for scott disick but i don't really care about him oh i love scott disick, scott disick. what he was, oh i didn't get I to give him. a damn He's it i forgot dick. to give a shout he out is to a my dick. brother he is a dick oh. fuck my brother got engaged last week and i now we'll, i feel bad we'll end up oh, playing this <laughs> this will play at the end congratulations really daniel and emma I love you guys. That'll be cut. Congratulations. We'll cut it in. <laughs> we. Everyone's like, yeah, we'll totally do that. <laughs> hey, well, can you ride home or no? Okay. As long as you don't mind being vehicleless for like two days. Worst comes the worst. Okay. Closer than ever With birds I'll be wandering When will I see you Once again Once again Certain stone, I wander alone. The sun will come up, the flowers will bloom, the rivers will flow, and we'll meet again soon. Our memories together are golden. I wouldn't change them for nothing. I learned from the best. Cherish the moment Ooh. You're closer than ever With birds I'll be warm
Yeah. 